Welcome to episode 351 of Live Happy Now. We know that kindness is more important than ever these days, but it can also seem hard to find. Today's guest is going to tell us where we can find it, how to nurture it, and how to share it. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I am so happy to welcome Brooke Jones, who is Vice President of the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. Brooke is committed to helping create a world where people choose kindness over violence and compassion over cruelty. She does that both on and off the job. When she isn't creating content for the foundation and sharing its message, she can be found spreading kindness in her own community with her teenage daughter. She's here today to tell us what kindness can do for us individually and as a society, and to tell us more about how to dive into the upcoming Random Acts of Kindness Week to help improve the world we live in. One of the spaces that isn't always as kind as we'd like it to be is our online world. So before we get to my interview with Brooke, I want to take a moment to talk about how we can protect ourselves when we're online. As we spend more of our lives online, we're not only at risk for trolls and unkind behavior, but also for scams, hackers, identity theft, and all kinds of other hazards. By using the browser extension Guardio, you can make the online world safer for your entire family. That means you can do your thing online and still protect all your personal information, avoid installing malware, and make sure you're not getting scammed by that just click here button. We all want a kinder world, and with Guardio, it can also be safer. You can run a free security scan right now to see what threats are on your browser. And then, if you're interested in their protection, get 20% off your plan when you sign up at guard.io slash livehappynow. That's guard.io slash livehappynow. And now, let's talk about kindness with Brooke Jones. Brooke, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you for having me. We have a great conversation to have because you're with Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. And gosh, if there's ever something we need right now, I would say it's a little more kindness. So let's kick this off by talking about the foundation itself, how it started and what it does. Sounds good. The foundation has surprisingly been around now for about 20 years. It started in the Bay Area during a summer of violence. And during that time, the press was really focused on what was going on with these, you know, small acts of violence. And a reporter said at the time, why don't we stop talking about random acts of violence and start talking about random acts of kindness and change the narrative. And that phrase was born. The foundation was born. It's been going strong for 20 years. We are now in Denver. And the foundation mostly focuses on three different areas where we feel like we can help make kindness the norm in people's lives. And that is education. We offer a free social emotional learning curriculum, evidence-based to schools all over the world. Right now we are in about 40,000 schools globally. We offer free resources to the workplace. So trying to create a kinder, gentler, safer, more compassionate place to work. And then in your home and community. So how do we create more kindness in our little bubble at home? So that's kind of where we focus. That's terrific. And how did you become involved? Because this seems like something that's very personally important to you. It is really important to me. My background career-wise was in the arts. I was doing a lot of project management for public art. And I've always felt this need to do something for my community to make it better. And I loved working in the arts, but when I had my daughter, 
it was important to me to really instill this idea that even the smallest act of kindness can change somebody's life. I did a TED talk about it myself, about how it changed my life over the years. Just small acts of kindness that people wouldn't have even known would have mattered really changed my life. And I wanted to make sure she understood that. And when she was very little, we started a pay it forward project with her that she continues to this day. She turns 16 next month and she's already planning her pay it forward project for this year. But the job showed up sort of out of the blue, I think. And I thought this can't be a real place that people are <laughs> you know, paying other people to do this kind of work. And it is real. And I think the work is very important. And what I realized is there's a whole movement. There's a lot of people like yourself, listeners here that believe in transformative work like this and spend their days and their lives trying to spread joy and happiness and kindness. And it has been a bit of an uphill push the last few years. And the last two years have been extremely difficult in particular. And how does that play into your mission? Because at a time when you'd think we'd be coming more kind to one another, especially after the pandemic, a lot of stories coming out are showing that we're not. We're more on edge. We're less likely to be kind to each other. So mm-hmm. why is that affecting us in that way? Why aren't we embracing this moment and becoming more kind? Yeah, it's a great question. It's one that we talk about a lot in the office and just in general. I think it ultimately comes down to sort of our survival instincts as human beings, that there's this idea that if we aren't taking care of ourselves, then we're not going to survive. But in reality, and there's been a lot of talk about this lately with Darwin's theory of evolution, that in fact, the fittest that survive are those that work together and take care of each other. It is not, in fact, those that are the individual survivors. It is the community and the group that takes care of each other. And I think that, you know, I will say, during COVID and in the last several years with politics and sort of global stuff that's been going on, that it really depends on what you focus on. I have seen, as we do in every crisis and in every tragedy that happens, these unbelievable, beautiful moments and stories of kindness that come out of it. And I think, I mean, maybe I'm just being, you know, sort of rose-colored glasses, but I believe that's who we are as a species. We are those stories. We are the people that take care of each other. I couldn't believe here in my neighborhood, the number of people that came out of the woodwork to help each other during COVID that made sure their neighbors were taken care of, were sharing what they had, were driving to the store to get something for somebody who was sick, that kind of thing. And those small little moments, that's what gives me hope. I know we've had a rough couple of years, but I believe that that's who we are as a species. And I think we're being tested in many ways right now. And how do we share those stories more freely? Because I know in India, one of the newspapers started a positive news section Mm -hmm. because they felt this coverage was so heavy. And so that's what they did every day. They had nothing but positive news in this section. And it obviously became very popular. And I wish we could see more of that where it's like we're not ignoring the other things that are going on, but we're really emphasizing the greatness of humanity and the love that we have for one another. I could not agree more. I think, I mean, that is our mission statement at the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. Our mission statement is make kindness the norm. I believe that we make choices every day into what we tune into and what we decide to, you know, feed into our brain, our mind, our soul. I make a lot of choices on, for instance, my social media feed. You know, I've turned off 
news. I have turned on more of these sort of positive images and quotes and stories that come to me. You know, Live Happy is a great example of something that's constantly feeding not just you know, positivity, but real stories and real people who are doing real good. And so if we choose to tune into that, I think it changes what we consume and what we're asking for as consumers. And I would love to see that happen here in the press where we don't spend one minute at the end of a news <laughs> show, you know, saying something about a firefighter here who did something good or, or a cat that was saved from the tree. Like, what if we spent half the newscast talking about amazing people in our communities that are doing everyday things to make the world a better place. I would love to tune into that. Yeah. And it's interesting because I hear so many people saying that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And there's a belief within the news industry that if it bleeds, it leads. And, you know, we've got every report has to start with breaking news. And it's like, no, can it just be happy news? We've right. got something good to tell you. That should be our lead off, but it's not. So mm. how do we kind of find that balance for ourselves? Like you said, you shut off the news, but how do we really start seeking out that positive messaging and yeah. find the kindness in the world? I think we start asking for it, right? I will tell you one of the great examples that came out of COVID was, and I think probably most of your listeners will remember this, the channel Some Good News that showed up with John Krasinski. Mm -hmm. where he was just, you know, sitting at his desk at home and doing exactly what we're talking about. He was sharing amazing stories and making good things happen. And that went gangbusters. People loved it. So to me, it's a success story that shows this is, in fact, what we want. We want more of this. So I believe that it's kind of like a pharmaceutical industry with vitamins, right? They're not going to get behind it because it doesn't make them any money. Mm -hmm. The press, if they change their mindset and say, actually, in fact, this is what consumers want and they will tune in more, test it, right? Test this out and see, I think you're going to find that more people are going to tune in if you're offering this. And again, it's, I think it's a balance of not just putting out, you know, silly stories, it, they're real stories and ways for people to feel more connected to their community and to each other. That's what we're craving right now, especially in a time of isolation and disconnectedness help us, right? Help us find ways to reconnect. Yeah. Because you see the incredible response. If a channel runs a story on someone who's in need, who, you know, I'm in Tennessee and we've had a couple tornadoes, we've had flooding. It's not been a great weather year for mm -hmm. us. And the outpouring is just incredible. And that's really touching and moving to see the kind of response it gets. And I think all of us want to see that. We want to share that. Yeah, of course. Again, that, that comes back to what I said earlier, that human beings, they want to help. I think when we're given the opportunity to help, we do. It's, you know, for instance, a friend of mine recently, a close friend of hers passed away. And I, as always, when that happens, you know, what can I do? Is there anything I can do for you? And I know it feels like a hollow question, but the reality is we all want to do something to help each other. That is innately who we are as human beings. And when we see somebody suffering, we want to help. When we see a tragedy or a crisis, we want to help. We may not know how necessarily, but when those opportunities present themselves, you see that amazing response of money and volunteer work and people coming out of the woodwork to help. So I believe in us. I believe in us as a species. I, I think we're going <laughs> to We're going to do this. That's right. <laughs> 
And how do you start, say, let's at home, you do three different spheres. You do school, you do business, and you do home. So let's real briefly touch on like in each environment, what are some of the ways that you teach us to implement kindness? I start with home. Starting with home, I talk about this with my daughter regularly. It's in the language that we use with each other. When she was little, not so much anymore, but one of the things we did, and I think it's a great practice for for families is, first of all, turn off technology and you know have a dedicated period of time, just dinner time, where you actually sit at the table together, turn off technology, and then have a conversation. And there's a prompt that we used when she was little I'm sure some folks have heard of it. It's rosebud thorn. And we say, you know, what was the best part of your day? What was the rose? And what was the thorn, right? What was the most challenging part of your day? And then what is the bud? Where is there an opportunity for growth or something different to happen tomorrow? And we would have incredible conversations just around that little prompt. So Things like that. I think tuning into your neighbors, right? We have an elderly neighbor down the street that we check in on pretty regularly. Just make sure he's doing okay. We're in a snowy part of the country where right now it's snowing heavily. And probably after I talk to you, I'll go outside and shovel the sidewalk up and down in front of my neighbor's houses who both are teachers and I know they're at school today. So little things like that. How can you do something to make sure that those around you feel connected and cared for? That's beautiful. And I really like that, the rosebud thorn, because it's not just the rose and the thorn. I like the opportunity component. I think sometimes we miss that because now you're setting an intentionality for the next day and for like you're, we're going to start looking for that within our challenges. So I think that's a fantastic way to do that. Yeah. You can also follow up, you know, the next day when you do the same conversation, say, how did the bud turn out? How did that work? Did it, you know, did you have an opportunity to to do something different today. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So what about at work? So at work, you know, it's become really clear, I think, over the last couple of years that things have changed dramatically in the workplace and the expectations of what the workplace looks like are different. I think that the thing that's become very clear to me and to others over the last couple of years is a sense of trust and safety, psychological safety and trust at work. I know that leaders are seeing you know people working from home that they were used to having there every day and now they're only seeing them on a zoom camera this idea that you would trust your employees and each other to do the work and come together and you know uphold their end of their of the bargain of how we connect as a team trust and psychological safety i know that we have seen so much change health-wise, both mental health and physical health over the last couple of years, the ability to be vulnerable at work. And so we have some guide on seven steps to just create a more kind and safe work environment for people. And that includes everybody. It's not just you know the employees. I spent a lot of time last year talking to leaders who felt lost. They didn't know how to lead in this environment and they didn't think they were able to give their employees what they needed. They were not equipped to handle all of what was coming at them in terms of emotional and physical health issues that had come up for their employees. So what I counseled them, what I told them was everybody's a human being here. And while you may have a different title, 
be as vulnerable as the people that are coming to you, right? You're struggling as well. It's okay to have that conversation with everybody. So those are kind of the things that we offer for the workplace or ways to have safe and productive conversations with your employees and your teams. That's really important. We'll make sure we include a link on the landing page so they can find that because I can see a lot of people wanting to utilize that. And then, so finally, school. That's the big one because school oftentimes has not been a very kind place. Yeah, exactly. The school, you know, that has been our major focus over the last 10 years. We have built out an evidence-based social emotional learning curriculum for schools where all of it is based on six kindness concepts. The curriculum is kindergarten through high school. We're working on a preschool program now, but the kindness concepts that we teach are inclusivity, integrity, caring, courage, respect, and responsibility. And I love my favorite one of those is courage because it's this idea, especially when they're little, they think of courage as, you know, a superhero or a brave firefighter or that kind of thing. And what we really teach with courage is the Brene Brown model that in fact, courage is vulnerability and humility and, you know, being able to admit when you've done something wrong, say you're sorry, be able to say to somebody, I don't feel good today, or I, you know, I'm having a hard time today, I could use some help. That's really brave. That's very courageous to be able to do that. And a skill that if we could teach our kids when they're young, what a different world would it be if we were able to do that? Yeah, that bodes so well for the future. If we can, because it doesn't take changing the whole world. It starts with a few children and that are taking that out into the world. And that's going to be absolutely beautiful to watch that unfold. And now you have something else going on, and that's the Random Act of Kindness Day, which is February 17th, but you are giving it a whole week. So we've got, they've got some great things going on. Can you talk a little bit about, first of all, why you expanded it to a week? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, actually, it's been for us, we've celebrated the week for years and years. And then it was so funny. It showed up, I don't know, five or six years ago on our calendar. We saw this Random Acts of Kindness Day. And I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> We've always celebrated the week. It really came out of nowhere for us. So we, for a couple of years, we went, okay, this is the thing. We'll, we'll celebrate the day. And we realized the people that always celebrated the week with us, it was mostly educators said, hey, we still need resources for the whole week. We're doing a whole week of this. And for us, it's really just a time for people to get a little bit loud with their kindness. I think people that celebrate it are generally kind people anyway, and they look at it as just a continuation of what they're already doing. But during this kindness week, we are doing a couple of things. One, we're doing a coloring contest, which has been wildly successful. We had no idea what to expect this year, but it's a simple coloring sheet we put on the website. And we have had the most fascinating and beautiful drawings come back from that. We are offering, I think, five or six, I think it's five, swag bags full of all kinds of good stuff from the Rand Max of Kindness Foundation, water bottles and t-shirts and pins and hats and all this for five lucky winners. And then everybody who wants one will get a really nice sticker if they entered. But there's so much on the website. If you go on there, there are quotes to share during the week. There are kindness ideas for every day of the week. One of my favorites that's on there is writing a handwritten letter or card to somebody. And I always expand on that and say, you know, spend some time on this. Think of somebody you really 
care about who has changed your life for the better, write them a letter telling them. And then if you can, go see them and read the letter in person or call them and read it in person. It's lovely to receive that in the mail, but it's so powerful to hear somebody say the words to you. And then follow up by writing yourself a letter telling yourself all the wonderful things about you. And when you're feeling down on yourself, pull that letter out and read it. I like that follow-up. I like how you've taken it that extra step because that's important and we kind of forget that one. Mm -hmm. Self-care and self-kindness is key to to all of this, right? You you can't pour from an empty vessel. So be as nice to yourself as you would to the person you love the most. Oh, that's excellent. And so the coloring contest, they, can you talk about who it's open to and how they can, I know we can download it from your site, but kind of give us the parameters. Yeah. Yeah, go to randomactsofkindness.org. The coloring sheet is on there. It is open to anybody and everybody. We have had entire schools turn in coloring sheets, individuals. We love seeing it from everybody. As we start collecting them more, we're going to start posting them as well. But it's simple. There's a variety of ways that you can get the image to us. You can upload it onto the website. You can email it to us. Lots of different ways. And how can parents foster this week into becoming a a habit for their families? That's a great question. I think I always encourage people to do what we do here in our house. And that is this pay it forward project where tell your kids, you know, let's look around in the community where we live. Where is there a need? And then let's go help fill that need, whether it's taking your kids to a shelter, a women's shelter, or, you know, unhoused neighbors. We did it one year. We walked around to the businesses near us and including hotels and said, could we have travel size shampoo and soap? Collected a lot of things, mostly donated, built packs for our unhoused neighbors and kept them in our car and handed them out as we saw people. It included gift cards and water bottles and snacks and all kinds of things. And And a card that also shared where can they go for help locally to get shelter, food, all of those things. So there's things like that you can do at home that take some effort. There are other things you can do at home that are real simple. One of the things we did this past year when we were isolated was we created a gratitude jar where every day we wrote something on a post-it note, folded up and put it in that gratitude jar. And then at the end of the year, we read them all. That had to be an incredible experience. Just going through all that. It was because it was a hard year. So some days it was hard to come up with anything, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's a, as we know, gratitude is key to being a resilient person, being a happy person. And so, you know, during a difficult time, that was an important thing for us to do. We needed to do that. And we think so much about what being kind to someone does for them. And obviously it changes the giver as well. How do you see kindness changing people as they start practicing it and it becomes part of their essence? That's a great question. And there is a lot of science around that. I am a good example of that. I have struggled my whole life with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and I was not getting very far with medication and therapy. And one of the things that I knew worked for me was volunteering and helping others and We know that physiologically, when we do an act of kindness, we lower our cortisol, which is our stress hormone, and we have an increase in oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin, and that our body needs that. 
So that's one of the things that I think I tell people when we're discussing mental health, that in fact, doing the act of kindness, receiving the act of kindness, and witnessing an act of kindness, all three of those people have the same physiological reaction. So even if you just saw somebody do something nice, you get that same rush of all those chemicals. And they've even tracked this down to as simple as if you see somebody leave a positive message on your Facebook feed, right? Where Really? Yeah. As simple as that. If you see somebody say, great job, I, I love that you did, whatever it is, a positive comment that you have this moment of, oh, that made me feel good. So that's why I encourage people tune into it as you see it, as you hear it, as you witness it, let that feeling wash over you, right? And feel it and pay attention to it because it's happening all around us all the time. We just sort of ignore it, I think. So try and tune into it. That's terrific advice. As we let you go, we are going to tell our listeners how to find your website. We'll have a whole landing page for your episode and they'll have all kinds of links to reach there. But what is the one thing that you want everyone to take away from this conversation today? I think that everybody took away the idea that they have the choice and the power to make kindness the norm in their life, that we really can make a difference. If we start tuning out to the things we don't want to hear and see and start tuning into the things that we do, then in fact, it will change your life personally and you'll start to see it radiate around you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for the work you're doing and for sitting down with me today and talking to us because I know I've gotten a lot out of this conversation. I know our listeners will as well. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. That was Brooke Jones of the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation talking about how we can create a kinder world. Live Happy is excited to be partnering with the Foundation to celebrate this year's Random Acts of Kindness Day. You can learn more about how to be involved, enter their coloring contest, and get great ideas for practicing kindness all year long just by visiting our website at livehappy.com and clicking on the podcast tab. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.